Look, our brains are great at lots of things, but remembering passwords is not one of them, especially not secure passwords. Let's free our brains from being password managers and get something way better. 1Password. One 1Password one keeps everything private and in sync across multiple devices. 1Password can't see the passwords or sensitive information you store in 1Password, so they can't use it, share it, or sell it, and neither can anyone else. I've been using 1Password for about 10 years now, and it's made my life so much easier, especially using it with Touch ID and Face ID. It's the first thing I install on any new phone, computer, or tablet I'm using for myself or my family. And all you have to remember is one strong account password that protects everything else your logins, your credit cards, secure notes, or the office Wi-Fi password. And I love that something I use to save me so many hours I can't even count them all is something you can try too. Right now, my listeners get a free two-week trial at onepassword.com slash beyond for your growing business. That's two free weeks at onepassword.com slash beyond. Don't let security slow your business down. Go to onepassword.com slash beyond. Welcome back to another episode of Beyond the To-Do List. I am your host, Eric Fisher. This is the podcast where we talk to the people behind the productivity. And this week, we're going to talk about self-education with Paul Jun. His new book, Connect the Dots, available on Kindle and soon to be in print, is very much about taking a an ownership, if you will, of your own educational journey, and not just one in terms of a formal education, but also the one that goes alongside that or apart from it. You'll know what he means when we get into it. But first, I want to say thank you to Boomerang for Gmail for sponsoring this episode of Beyond the To-Do List. Let's talk about email. Email is the way that we communicate and share important information with our coworkers, ask for help with projects, and much more. And the majority of people out there are using Gmail. But if you're not using Boomerang with your Gmail, you're not getting the most out of your email. Boomerang adds its powerful functionality directly into the Gmail interface. So you just install Boomerang in your browser, open Gmail, and you're ready to start using your email much more productively. Boomerang allows you to snooze your emails until you need them. So for me, for example, snoozing an email means, hey, I don't need this right now, and so I don't want to feel the overwhelm of having it sit in my inbox. Let it come back later when I know that I can do something with it. Boomerang also lets you track replies to your emails so you don't forget. Have you ever sent an email but didn't get a response? That happens to me all the time. When I follow up, they often respond. Thanks to Boomerang's response tracking feature, no email ever slips through the cracks so I can make sure that I follow up on anything important that didn't get a response. The messages come back to my inbox if I don't get a reply, so I can do whatever I want to do about it then. And sometimes it's not just because people are busy, but it's because the email got lost in their inbox. They never saw it. They never read it. Boomerang lets me include read receipts with my email, so I can find out if people actually ever opened it. Listeners of the Beyond the To-Do List podcast can get a special offer to try Boomerang for 60 days. Go to boomeranggmail.com slash to-do 
for your free 60-day trial of Boomerang Professional. Again, go to boomerangmail.com slash to-do to get 60 days of Boomerang Professional for free. This week I get to talk to Paul Jun. And I'm going to go ahead and say what he said. It rhymes with fun, but it's uh, with, a, with a J. <laughs> Paul, it's Paul. It's awesome to talk to you. I've been reading your blog for a while, and it, man, almost like two years now, I guess. And I've been kind of like a lurker, but it's called Motivated Mastery, and I think people will get exactly what it's about. But welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Eric, for having me. This is a, a big honor, seriously. So, well, thank you, and uh, you're welcome. And I. I know you listen to a lot of podcasts, and in the book, Connect the Dots, your new book, which honestly, I just, it's a quick read, but it's longer than my book, so that's cool. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's, uh, what is it about? Let, like, let's talk a little bit. Why connect the dots? What's the metaphor there that you're kind of going for? The cover's beautiful, by the way, the red and the black and the dots and the connecting lines. Oh, thank you. Um, so, uh, I think it's also like a common term that some people like you can you can hear it from p- people using it from time to time like oh you know think about it connect the dots um, basically saying like think more deeply about it take like what you know or what you've gathered so far and try to connect like two uh, related or opposing ideas it doesn't really matter um, but the ultimate practice is that you're connecting two things that are maybe separate or related to one another and you're developing a more deeper understanding about it um, so for example uh, to make it more clear, uh, let's say you want to understand the education system, right? So I think a lot of di- uh, nowadays, I think a lot of people um, blame the education system. Um, but once you start really diving into it and understanding its history and its function and where it came from and why it was created in the first place, what you're essentially doing is you're gathering a lot of dots. Um, history and education related and uh, you're connecting them and what you're ultimately doing is just kind of creating like a new understanding like oh so this is how it is you know what I mean it's something that you weren't aware of before um, whether it's knowledge or uh, facts or what have you and when you connect the dots it's kind of like a like that light bulb moment like that aha like you start seeing um the picture a little bit more clearly so that it kind of removes that whole frustration aspect behind it. Because I think that when we lack an understanding on a topic, um, I think immediately we're frustrated about it. We don't know why the economy is the way it is, or we don't know why, you know, uh, students are graduating college and are more frustrated than ever. But when you start really deeply thinking about it and kind of educating yourself on it and researching on it and, um, Taking other people's perspectives, people who do this for a living or uh, whose life's work revolve around this topic and you kind of see the subject through their eyes, right? You begin to pick up on things that you originally missed out on. Um, And I think that's what ultimately uh, led me to the whole notion of uh, connecting the dots. Yeah, I love the idea of of connecting the dots. It almost to me is kind of – I don't know if you – well, you don't really – you don't do Facebook, do you? Uh, I have a or a I little bit, a, a little bit. Like I have a Facebook page for my blog. I used to have one for like a personal use, and then ultimately, after a while, I was just like, this thing is absolutely worthless. So I was just <laughs> wasting my time on it. Um, but yeah, I use Facebook for my blog just to like you know post uh, stuff on there. I also interact with a lot of the readers on there as well and get messages. But yeah, but okay. So I see I see this viral image 
I've seen it come through my my Facebook newsfeed a number of times recently, and even I guess with Twitter images as well, mm-hmm. and even Instagram probably, which I don't I, I don't totally get the idea of people posting like infographics on Instagram because Instagram should be just much more of a taking real life pictures, right? And even less selfies. I'm not opposed to them, but whatever. <laughs> um, tangent. But anyway, I've seen this image that it's like uh, there's a whole bunch of unconnected dots. And then there's something else next to it, and then a third one, and it's it's kind of the progression of, oh, connecting all the dots is understanding or perspective or you know forming your own opinion or aspect you know perspective or understanding, and and that's where really like as I traced the the through line in the book, like it sparked this memory of my own where years ago uh, I finished a year of college. And didn't really know what I wanted to do. Didn't know, you know, where I wanted to go. I was back home. I took some time off. I was working in a warehouse and mm-hmm. suddenly just started reading, like avidly reading. And I wasn't opposed to reading up till that point. And and it sounds familiar, like what you know, you started to read like what a hundred books in a year or whatever. And mm-hmm. I, it sparked the memory that from May of that year through to like the f- January of the following year, I read a hundred and nine books. Wow. And it was because, you know, I was either listening to audiobooks while I was working in the warehouse, or I was just like devouring books in the evening and on the weekends mm-hmm. and then dropping them off on the li- at the library on the way back to the warehouse during the day and picking more up on the way home. And like it was just insane. And, and the, my thoughts and my perspective on life and just my knowledge base and the interconnectedness, like, Another piece of this was like I was like discovering new music and looking. I was mm-hmm. like, "Oh, you discovered, you know, I mean, bad example, but it's like, oh, I listened to a bunch of the Beatles. Well, then you go jump off and listen mm-hmm. to all the other, you know, like, oh, Eric Clapton played on this album, and mm-hmm. then he, you know, you know, the interconnectedness where, and you talk about this in the book where it's like, you know, you you find out about one person who's awesome and you really like what they're doing. And you use them as a jumping off point to find, okay, well, who are they following on Twitter? You know. Mm-hmm. So, but the book being basically a primer in self-education and some really awesome methods in how to do that, what are kind of, I don't know, what, if I can put it in a way, what are, what are kind of the, um, like the self, the, the, the elements that you see, whether you're in a formal education or not, you still should be doing self-education. Mm-hmm. What are the elements that make that possible. That's awesome. Wow. Um, so let's look at like your journey, right? So all of a sudden you had this desire to want to read books. And from the time of May to January, you read 109 books on a variety of topics that opened you up to new music, new ideas, and new perspectives. Um, if we were to really boil that down to its essential element, I would, I would consider that a, a desire to learn. And it's like a very, like, how can I describe it? Like, there's like, like, when I went to school, I was never really good at school, to be honest, middle school, high school, I was more of a sports person, like, I kind of had this excuse of like, oh, I could play sports, but be bad at education. Like, it was okay. Um, There was no desire to learn. I wasn't curious. I wasn't interested in how the world worked or how this person was able to accomplish a specific uh, endeavor, right? So I think one of the basic elements, and I noticed it too, because I'm actually still in, I'm, I'm still in school. I actually finished at the end of this year. Um, and I talked to a lot of, lot of students and 
Um, I try not to talk about, you know, like the weather or like Facebook and stuff like that. I try to make these conversations a little meaningful because it's also a little bit of research on my part. And what I notice is that most students don't have a desire to learn. They don't have a desire to like, I don't want to say all students. That's a little bit like, you know, uh, rude or whatever, but it's just like this very like intrinsic, like motivation where like you want to figure it out. Like you look at someone like you or someone like, I don't know, like Jeff Goins, you know, where we have mutual friends. Um, like how are they successful? What is the, what is the mindset behind it? You know, um, what is their little journey from an amateur writer to published author? You know what I mean? Like, uh, I think that desire to learn, to want to figure things out, um, to let curiosity kind of like take the lead. Um, I think that is one of the most crucial, most important elements of, um, of, of self-education. For example, I have a lot of friends who come up to me, um, friends from high school and stuff, and they, they see like how I've changed. You know, I was never really like this my whole life. I wasn't a writer. Uh, I wasn't, I didn't read books when I was younger. Um, I actually did not care about learning. Um, and now they see who I've become. You know what I mean? And they asked me, they're like, Paul, what could I do to, you know, I, I feel lost. Um, I need some guidance. You know, I'm, I'm sick of how I'm living my life right now. What can I do? And when I try to, I, what I used to say was read this book. You know, I would say, here are five books that changed my life. Go read these. But that wasn't really helpful because you're asking someone to break into a habit that they haven't that that is not a habit. You're like kind of like saying like, oh, hey, wake up in uh, you know five thirty in the morning. Go go to the gym. Go go lift weights. Go lift heavy weights. You know, M- mostly no one's gonna do that. Um, so I had to kind of like ease it into them. Like, all right, let's focus on the things that you have control over right now. You know, so for me, a desire to learn is. Uh, is, is really just that is wanting to know and understand. Like I look at something and I don't understand it. You know, it's, it's an anomaly to me. Um, I, now I have like this very burning desire to like, want to figure it out on my own. Um, I think that is the most important thing in self-education. That's an interesting point there. So let's go back to kind of the, and here's another connection point between us is, you know, yeah, never really had the desire to, to learn, didn't have that, you know, oh, I want to figure it out. I want to know things. I want to enrich, you know, I want to feel enriched mm-hmm. and, and not just for, you know, oh, I feel smart, but to feel like you are, you know, to quote, uh, you know, something very, uh, oh, what is it? You know, that, that movie with Robin Williams, the, the one where they stand up on the tables and stuff, dead poet society yeah, where they suck the marrow out of life and, and all <laughs> that, you know, anyway, not to go all hipster, but uh, the fact is, is that I think shoehorning people in, you know what that means? Like to shoehorn where people used to do that, where they'd have this, this like, it was a slide. It was almost like a slide for your heel mm-hmm. and you'd put, it'd help you get your feet in your shoes. Although I don't understand how people didn't know how to put their feet, shoes on their feet. But anyway, um, that it was just easier to get into something if you gave them kind of a connecting point. And so, you know, kind of like what you did where you started learning about blogging and writing, but from the backwards way of, Hey, I want, I love video games and I want to, you know, talk about it. Okay. Um, uh, so this was about, this was about like four years ago. I was in community college and I kid you not, I was getting D's and F's. Um, there were literally time. I, I'm, it's almost kind of shameful to admit this, but, uh, 
there were times where I would drive to campus. Like campus was about 25 minutes away from my house. There's a few towns over. I would go to school, get into the parking lot, park my car, like look at my notebooks and my textbooks and just be like, why am I here? You know what I mean? Like it was such a strange, like it was amazing that I was aware of it. But what's worse was that like, it's amazing how I let it like sabotage me, like in a way, like I did it to myself ultimately, but I would leave, I would drive to campus and then leave. And then the whole ride home, I'd be like, you know, I would self justify like, ah, you know, school doesn't matter. And this and that, and uh, I could figure it out on my own. Um, luckily for me, there was a uh, like at that time four years ago, uh, I started paintballing, and through paintballing, I met someone who was much older than I am, my best friend Eddie, and he kind of became like a mentor for me. Here was this guy; he was about at the time like I don't know, thirty eight, forty years old, had two kids, and had a very, very successful life. Um, and and at face value, he seemed very smart. Like right away, I would judge him as like this guy has a good head on his shoulders. And he saw the situation that I was in. I was uh, in the worst condition of my life, physically and mentally. I was always stressed out. I was addicted. I smoked cigarettes like crazy. Um, I just like was very all over the place. And he kind of just like gave me a simple idea. He's like, hey, you should start something. And I'm like, well, what do you mean? He's like, well, you're not really doing anything in school right now. He's like, you're not doing interns. You're not you don't have a job. Um, he's like, do something with your time. You know what I mean? Even if it's for an hour a day. So he helped me cause he was a, he's like a webmaster, web designer. He helped me start a blog and he, and I was like, well, what do I write about? And he's like, well, you play video games all day. He's like, why not just write about that? He's like, see where that takes you, you know, write an opinion about the next, the new game that you played, or, you know, you're really good at this game, write a strategy behind it, write your thinking behind it. And, uh, it's hard to believe, but that was like a huge launching point for like where I am today because I started that video game blog, right? Then I started writing, writing about it, whatever I could, anything. I would make the habit of waking up every morning and just writing. It didn't matter if I wrote 500 words or 5,000 words. There were times where I would be able to write 5,000 words. And I told myself, just keep building this habit. Keep waking up and just writing and writing and writing. Um, Three months later or four months later, when I started that blog, I had an article published on this website called IGN. It's like for any video gamers out there, they would they would know what IGN is. Yeah. And um, then there was a game that I was playing at the time, a computer game called Rift. And uh, I emailed the guy. It was so strange. This is like how it all started. I emailed him and I pitched him my idea. It was the first pitch I ever sent. It was probably the worst one too. But uh, I pitched him the idea and he saw that I had like a very strong passion for video gaming and writing. And he ended up publishing my post and that feeling of like being published on a website that I read for my entire life was incredibly motivating for me. It sparked something in me. Um, from that video game thing, it didn't last long, of course, because after a while, uh, I didn't feel the traction that I thought I should be gaining. Um, so I started to really rethink, like, what am I doing with my time right now? Now that I have this habit of writing, I don't want to just quit just because, you know, I didn't make money in three or four months. I think that there's a lot of potential behind this. Um, and then that's where that whole desire to learn started uh really just like kind of igniting um i started looking online and under and looking up blogs that had big readerships ten thousand hundred thousand um i want i started asking myself questions why is this blog successful how is this author sharing value with their community why is it specifically that this community is giving attention to this person you know what i mean um all these questions kind of led 
was was all just curiosity um, and a desire to learn. And then I started connecting the dots. Okay, so this blog is popular because of their value, because of the information and the way they write it and the way they structure their posts and the way they interact with their community in the comment section. Um, all of these were little realizations. And then um, I reinvented myself many times throughout that process. I went from video gaming to um, to uh, movie like movie reviews. Like anytime I finished watching a movie, I would give myself an assignment to write about it. You know, because after video gaming, I kind of ran out of things to write about. I was like, okay, so I'm not writing about video gaming anymore. What should I do instead? Um, so it became the movie thing, and then after the movie thing, it was kind of just like blogging about anything anything what, what anything that i could food uh technology an app that i started using and then reinvented myself again started focusing on writing blogging and social media and now there's a pattern here anytime that i had a desire to learn something i wrote about it so when i went into the blogging writing and social media thing um i started writing about just what i knew about that craft over what i've done so far um and Eventually, I started to realize, hmm, like, I'm not the voice for this topic because I don't have years of experience behind this, you know? Um, so then I shifted to personal development. So I started talking about just things that were cohesive to me, things that I could talk about, like my own experiences, um, how I went from, you know, this failing college student to all of a sudden uh, doing self-education and reading books and, and building these new habits, um, from that personal development shift, I started taking online courses, right? Uh, that was an incredible, uh, because at the time, $600 was a lot to me. So me coughing up $600 for an online course for someone who I never met in person, who, whereas like, I didn't really know if there was a guarantee or a return on this course, it was really daunting. But uh, luckily for me, I, I did enough research and I had enough faith in the course. And these online courses were like life changing for me. They introduced me to a whole wide range of tactics for writers, for, uh, you know, how to pitch yourself, um, how to write better overall. Uh, being part of a community and getting like constant feedback for your writing, people literally highlighting entire paragraphs and being like, hey, I think you can word this, you know, differently. Here's how. Here's where I think your thinking is going. All of that was really, really invaluable to like my self-education journey in a way. Um, and then after a while, after this whole process, uh, I started getting published. Like I would get published on ProBlogger, um, the, the, the website Tiny Buddha. Um, then I got published on copy blogger. And then after that, after I got published on copy blogger, I was just like, wow, wait, hold on, hold on. Like this was the exact site that I was studying day in, day out, um, to understand blogging and internet commerce and, uh, online marketing. And now I'm contributing to it. You know what I mean? So all of that kind of just started to build up. And then eventually, I mean, it took me a really long time to admit to like, even my closest friends, like, Hey, I'm a writer, you know? Mm -hmm. Before, I couldn't even say that. I couldn't look someone directly in the face and be like, yeah, I'm a writer because I, because I thought that there had to be you know, a long resume of successes. Oh, I'm a writer, meaning I published the book. I got published on these articles. I have these certain credentials that make me a writer. Um, but yeah, sorry for the long, the long. Uh, no, that's cool. No, <laughs> totally. That well, you just you spelled out a lot of the timeline, and I know exactly where to go next. A um, couple thoughts. One, I love the fact that again, like your catalyst 
was video games. Like, yes. And that's the thing. It, like some people it's like, well, I don't know how to like just jump in and do whatever. Like you trying to tell your friend, go here, go read these books is like, yeah, but you don't have a passion for reading and you don't know how to like really absorb or consume you know, intelligently those books yet. So let's not do that yet. Let's go, you know, do you like basketball? Do you like that? You know, throw out a, you you know, your friends or you, you know, listener know yourself well enough or should, or take some time to, Mm -hmm. to say, okay, what's the thing? Like, is it coffee? Is it bacon? Is it, you know, et cetera, pick that thing, find that thing and spend some time either writing about it, which there you go, like you kickstarted this other passion in yourself that you didn't know was there by starting to do it and then started to use that as your um, writing as your thought process. Yes. And by doing that, then you were able to start to apply thinking critically and even intelligently about everything. And then that, you, you know, you the wireframe of your mind just started to expand so much further, you know, the mind map, I guess, is a better mm-hmm. way to put it. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you drill in and you're like, well, this topic to this, to this, to this, to this, to, oh, go down on that slide for a sec, to this, to this, to this, it, like like the cover of your book. Yep. And um, still searching for a great candidate for your company? Don't search, just match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch that busy work. Instead, use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. I wish I had Indeed when I was in the hiring process in roles in the past because it is a slow, arduous headache of a process to find the right people. Or, at least it used to be, join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to find and hire great talent fast. In fact, in the minute I've been talking to you, 23 hires were made on Indeed, according to Indeed data worldwide. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash to-do list. Just go to Indeed.com slash to-do list right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash to-do list. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's something that works so well, it basically feels like magic. For me, I'm thinking air conditioning, noise-canceling headphones, definitely. Meeting-free Fridays. What about selling with Shopify? (coughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch-your-own-shop stage to the first real store stage, you don't have to just sell your own stuff anymore. With Shopify Collective, you can curate products to sell from brands you love and give your customers more variety in your business more sales. Shopify is your no excuses business partner. Sell without needing to code or design. Just bring your best ideas and Shopify will help you open up shop. Shopify also helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort. Thanks to Shopify magic, your AI powered all-star sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash beyond. Again, go to shopify.com slash beyond now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash beyond this episode is brought to you by shopify forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to shopify the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell 
With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. So the, the thing is, is that like, even for some people who maybe writing isn't their passion, writing, or I guess even talking, you know what I mean? Like, even finding somebody else who likes that same thing that you do Mm -hmm. or even something you know fringe of that and sitting and having a conversation about it so that you start to talk about or 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 uh warm up the thought process you know find i find for me like writing see writing for me is super important but it's actually harder for me to do that than for me to like journal out loud so to speak like Mm -hmm. talking you know what i mean like that's why podcasting is easier for me Mm -hmm. and um and 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 especially when uh i i heard the the seth godin thing where he says you know people ask him do you get writer's block and he's like no do you get talker's block no i love that we we talk and i'm like as soon as he said that i'm like dude i never have a problem talking i always can talk and then that was kind of my hack into well shoot i can walk outside talking out loud into a recorder and then bring that home and then play it back and like type as like, that was my rough draft, me talking. And so get over my, you know, weakness of, well, I can't write. I'm not a write, you know, no, but I can talk, you know? So, and so anyway, speaking of Seth Godin at some point here in this timeline and you kind of fill it in, Mm -hmm. drop that in somewhere here, you went to Describe the process here. He was doing a thing called an impresario school or sessions or whatever. And what does impresario mean? And what was this process for you that you got in? So uh, at the time, uh, oh, one second, like at the time where I had that personal development blog, uh, I, that's when I started reading. Um, that's when I got interested in publishing books. And uh I published the, I created like a very short book called uh, Building an Empire with Words. It was kind of just like a short, um, like a, I don't know, just an experiment. Yeah. Um, and it was about really, oh, because at the time uh, I had like a shift. I, I went through like a pretty bad health phase. Um, I was really stressed out again. Um, even while doing this whole blogging thing, I was very stressed out and I was in a very bad uh, condition health wise. I was, you know, extremely overweight and I developed a uh, gut tape psoriasis. It's kind of like these little red spots on your body. Um, it looks like chicken pox, except it's not chicken pox. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. So at that time I went to the dermatologist, long story short, she said, listen, you need to start meditating. Uh, you're very stressed out. You know, that's obviously not the cure all. But uh, she's like, you need to really start focusing on your thoughts. And then that inspired me to write the book, Building an Empire of Words, because through meditation, I realized how important our thoughts are. That was a realization for me, that what we tell ourselves is, is creates how we feel. It, it creates our perception. Um, so I wrote that book, um, and I shipped it, and I did pretty well on it. It sold like a few thousand copies in a couple months. Nice. Um, and then during that year... I felt kind of stuck again, right? So I, it was an amateur's kind of like delusion that I had. So I wrote this book and I thought I would make like really good money off of it. And then, you know, I didn't, but that was obviously a lesson learned. And then that year, Seth uh, created a blog post. And I read his blog every morning. 
And there were two posts. And I was like, oh, wow, you know, this is this, this has got to be something. And he's like, I'm inviting all college students, 20 college students to my office for three days to learn about the connection economy, everything that Seth writes about connection economy, fear, shipping, art, everything. So I was like, this is like it was like my dream to get uh, accepted to this. Um, I filled out the form. We had to do like a one minute like, you know, video thing on why we should be picked for this event. And uh, I, I remember sitting there rec- recording myself like 30, 40 takes, just like really like trying to like nail it. Um, I, I sent the application. I, I completely forgot about it. I was like, you know what? There's no chance of me getting accepted. There are probably thousands of students who are way more credible than me that are probably at incredible, like, you know, Ivy League schools and stuff like that. I mean, at that time, I thought about that stuff. And uh, I was like, I'm not going to get picked. And a few weeks later, it's like, oh, you know, you got accepted to Seth's uh, <laughs> a seminar. And I was like, oh, my God, I went crazy. I, I, I freaked out totally. Um, but basically, back to the impresario. So basically, he taught us that an impresario, it's an Italian term, and in short, it means to be a connector. So in the 18th century, if you owned a theater, right, you would hire an impresario. And an impresario would be responsible for gathering, you know, musicians, uh, composers, uh, the costume people, and stuff like that. So the thinking goes, here's an empty theater. You hire an impresario, a connector. Right. Um, And then they bring these people together. Empty theater meets actors, musicians, costume people. Boom. Put it together. Put on a show. Now you create something that has a lot of meaning behind it. Um, So do you want me to like get into like the seminar, like uh, lessons and stuff? Well, I mean, what was the experience like overall? I mean, you, oh, wow. I know that, I mean, it's a milestone thing for you, obviously from that. I mean, you were already on your self-education journey, although I don't know if you would have titled it that yet, maybe. Not yet, not yet. But what was it like for you going in and then how do you feel you came out on the other side? What was the experience like, like that? <sighs> All right. Um, so prior to... Prior to going to Seth's seminar, I read uh, there were three books that had like a profound impact on like my perspective on life. It was Poke the Box, which is all about initiative, which really resonated with me because of the whole video game blogging thing. Mm-hmm. Um, Lynchpin and uh, I think it was The Purple Cow. And just reading those three books prior to... Uh, going to Seth's seminar, I was just like, I was always fascinated by his uh, worldview. You know, I thought this guy definitely hasn't nailed down. He knows how to say it in a very uh, elegant, but yet simple way where someone like me at the time, you know, 20, 21 years old, uh, just completely lost, you know, was able to like internalize his worldview and kind of uh, let that simmer and kind of, you know, shift a little gears in the mind a little bit. Um, Going into there, it was, I mean, life-changing is the only word um, because the, the, lesson, the simple lessons that, and the practices that we did throughout the seminar um, is exactly what I wish the way education was in a sense. Um, I don't know if that's aiming too high, but it was, oh, oh my God, I can't even really put it into words. It was, <laughs> it was so crazy. It was like I knew objectively who I was walking into this person, into this office, right? Like here I was, you know, 20, uh, 21 or 22 years old, um, 
you know, just started a, uh, started blogging for, you know, about a year and a half, you know, self-published the book on a whim, um, just trying to understand this whole new landscape of uh, career and uh, having useful and meaningful skills and uh, connecting and the whole use of technology. It was all very amateur for me. And when I walked in and just hearing him speak in person and also engaging with the other 19 students who were all amazing, amazing people, I still keep in uh, contact with them today um, and they're all still they're all doing their amazing things as well um, it was really truly life-changing because one uh, we understood fear like like in its entirety he calls it lizard brain um, we really broke that idea down and I think that that is one of the most important lessons just in overall life is to really understand like what fear is like scientifically and philosophically, you know, in, in every aspect you could imagine, just understand like what fear is and how you can start using that in your life to your advantage. Um, and then also we had to write an ebook in six, in like three hours or, oh, two wow. or in like yeah. two or three hours. Yeah. Like he looked at us and was just like, okay, start something, you know, like here you are 20 students all with a wide range of skills from graphic design to blogging, to music, to writing, everything you can imagine. Go make something right now. He walked out of the room and we were all there just looking at each other like, okay, uh, like, like, where, where do we start? And, uh, we thrashed for 15 minutes. He came back out and he's like, stop. He's like, what are you doing wrong? And all of us were just very vulnerable with one another. We would openly admit our failings and shortcomings and we would fix it right then and there. Okay, we're doing this, but we need to be doing this. Um, within like, you know, two hours, we created an entire book, uh, focused on, um, college students and how they can create opportunities for their fellow students, how they could be an impresario, right? Little ideas that they can take and run with on their own. Um, we had a cover done, packaged it in an ebook and boom, shipped within like two, three hours. It, it's not obviously like a widely read book and stuff like that, but the lesson's very simple. Um, he taught us how to ship. You know, he taught us how to overcome the fear of sitting down and working with strangers and putting something together and saying, hey, I made this, you know, um, that was a very like I've never done that before. You know what I mean? I at that moment, I've been in community college for two years and not once have I ever been put in a situation where I had to make something with my hands and to use my thinking and to look at the person next to me and trust that like they're going to you know, work with me and that we can like create value together. Um, that was very mind blowing for me because that was literally a first. Um, there were little exercises where he would put little like, uh, like, you know, like when we were like, like for babies, you know, they, they have like those little blocks, those wooden blocks with letters on them, like A, B, C and stuff like that. Um, he would put it on a table and he'd be like, tell me a story. One minute to tell him a story right there on the spot. Everyone looking at you, 20 eyeballs, 20 faces in the room just staring at you, telling you, hey, tell me a story with these little blocks right here. And every single person did it. Whether it was, it didn't matter if it was good or bad or inspiring or strange. It's just the fact that someone was able to speak up at that moment bravely and uh, and just contribute. And that was all very... That was a practice that I, I, when I left, I was like, man, like I wish, I wish I would pay so much money that every day of my college experience could have been like that, where I walk into a room and engage in, in such a way that makes my head sweat a little bit. You know what I mean? That makes my fingers really cold. You know, I want that experience. Um, when I left sets, 
Uh, oh, and also in the seminar, we had to pitch an idea of how we could be an impresario. How could we leverage the resources that are available to us right now and how can we put on a show? So that's when I pitched a book idea that I had um, called Reignite. It's something that I released for free on my blog. It's, uh, I would title it as one of my greatest failures but probably one of the best lessons I've ever learned creatively and intellectually. Um, I pitched my, we each had about, I think, I don't know, like four, three or four minutes to pitch out, pitch our ideas. And then the next day we had to pitch our marketing behind it. Um, after that seminar, I went home and even my friends were like, you're kind of changed. Like they would look at me and be like, they're like, what happened? You know? And I would just unleash like, you know, all the things that I learned on them and they would just sit there and be like, wow, like incredibly inspired. Um, what I, who I became after the literally just three days, which is so crazy. And it's not even like 24 hours each day. It was like from eight to like three. Um, and then after we would get together with our, uh, teammates and, you know, brainstorm and kind of hang out and just, you know, um, focus on like what we had to work on. But, when I left that seminar, um, the, the one realization was this. I can never go back. I can never turn around and say, you know what? I'm going to put this writing, blogging, self-publishing thing on hold. I'm going to go work at that, that place that I don't really feel stimulated in just for the paycheck. You know, uh, Fortunately for me, I don't – like some people have to do that, which I understand and respect completely. Um, balance it out. Yes, do what you got to do. Um, but at that time, uh, I was also, I worked in like a kind of like a factory style place, you know, go in at, you know, three o'clock, leave at 11, um, do like basic, like kind of factory work. And I hated it. Um, after I left that seminar, I told myself, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to be a writer. I'm going to commit to this path, but I'm going to keep shipping. I'm going to keep working on projects. And along the way, I'm willing to adapt in whatever way I need to, um, in however, whatever options there are. Uh, I had a very clear understanding of fear and like how much I sabotage myself on a daily basis and the excuses that I make. Um, I realized the importance of shipping, uh, that when you start something and you really like, you know, put your heart into it, um, and really just, it's like considered like your best work. Like every time, like every time I ship a book, I'm just like, man, this is the this is the best thing I've done so far. And my friends would be like, yeah, but you said that about the last one. And you're going to say that about the next one. And I think that's really interesting is that every time we commit to a project, it's almost as if like we're shedding off like a piece of our old selves, right? We're like, we're like kind of like moving on. So like every podcast that you do, right, is probably going to be better than the last one. There are some questions that um, you may not ask before that kind of create new insights and open opportunities. You know, um, there may be a way that you deliver your message differently. You know, everything is a little improvement. You're constantly shipping. And uh, I really, truly learned to appreciate that. And in small endeavors, too, um, if, whether it's a guest post for a blog, uh, as long as I'm shipping my best work, then I'm very proud. You know, whether I, that blog post gets five comments or 50 comments, doesn't matter. Um, it matters that I sat down, I started something, I put my heart into it, and uh, I shipped. Awesome. So now, would you consider, I know you're, you're finishing up college, is that right? Yes. And and what was the kind of, I know you'd still consider yourself like, hey, I am a writer now, but you still felt the need to go back and, and finish um, 
you know, your university degree. What was the thought process behind that? All right. Um, I'm going to be very honest. The reason why I'm in school, if, if it was my choice, I, I mean, it sounds like it kind of sounds strange. It is my choice, but um, I'm only in school because like there was a semester where I took off uh, because of my psoriasis at the time. And uh, I wanted to take another semester off. That would have been an entire year off. And when my father found out that I wasn't going back to school, I, I, have, I have very old school Korean parents. So understand the mindset behind their worldview, right? Gotcha. Their worldview of the importance of a college degree and the importance of getting your master's and, and working for a company and getting these benefits and having this, uh, this safe, comfortable salary – that's all. That's very important. That's still a reality. Um, but it's something that never truly resonated with me. So I kind of was in school because I, it sounds weird. I want, I don't want to say I was in school because I had to be, but that is kind of the reality of it is that if I didn't go to school, then I probably would have been kicked out of my home. As crazy as that sounds. Um, it's kind of like a, Hey, if you're not doing this, then go figure it out on your own. So I kind of use the whole school thing as like a safety net where I can continuously go to school, right? Um, I can, you know, take as much advantage of it as I can because ultimately you make, you make the opportunities what you make of it, right? Right. So uh, I decided to study psychology because I love understanding, you know, the mind and, and the brain and things that, and personality and things of that nature. Um, but I always knew, even till today, that my real education is when I, is when I uh, is when I read a book. Is when I listen to an interview like you did with Chris Brogan, you know, on health and and business and like his new endeavors. When I uh, read an article online that someone shares a career uh, a career advice where they were working for company A and then they had all these desires and these confusions and then they transitioned to company B. But why they did that and how they did that. Those are all little learning experiences for me where I document in my uh, commonplace book, right. Um, and let's school. make sure to talk about that in a minute too. Oh, definitely. Um, but yeah, school is more of a thing where uh, sound, saying that I got forced to do it kind of sounds strange, but it's something that I just kind of had to do for my own survival purposes. Um, I don't have the kind of income where I can just kind of go out on my own yet. Um, that's something I am building towards. That's what, that's like the time that I'm using right now, uh, to build useful skills so that like by the time school is done, I already have things in the work that I'm freelancing or I'm working for someone or a company that I, uh, feel that I can really put my heart and passion into it. Um, but yeah, school was always, uh, was always like a thing on the side for me. Like I never really focused on it too much. Like for example, I'm not a straight A student. I definitely could be. Um, without a doubt, with my habits that I have with uh, teaching myself, I most certainly could be a straight A student. But there are times where I'll really try. Like I'll walk into the first day of class and I'll look at the syllabus and I'll be like, you know what? You know what? Today's this year's the year. You know, I'm going to get A's. I'm going to uh, it's going to be great. You know, and then halfway through, I'm just like these assignments are so empty and so mm. like they, they frustrate me so much. And I'm just like, I can't I can't fake it. I really can't. Um, so that, yeah, that's, 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 my, it, that's yeah. my relationship. I totally, school. I totally identify with that <laughs> for sure. Oh, that's awesome. Um, so then in the, in the kind of the, the moving forward of, well, you're a writer and you're, you're finishing school and you want to continue this self-education, uh, practice lifelong, basically, mm -hmm. um, talk, let's talk a little bit about one, the, the commonplace book, but also, 
Uh, first, let's talk about this striking a good balance between consuming content and then creating content. Okay, so uh, consuming is obviously way easier than creating, right? We can sit on our phones right now and look at Instagram and Twitter and we can watch people you know, live their lives. We can watch what they eat and we can watch what they do. And that's a lot of time spent sitting there. Just, I, I call it, I, I've been like kind of trying to word it, but uh, to me, it's spectating, right? It's a lot of spectating. Some of it's useful. Sure. Like uh, I started getting into drawing. So when I look at artists on Instagram, I'm not just admiring their work and commenting them and say, oh, please draw me. Um, I'm studying their work. I'm looking at the little strokes that they do and the little shading techniques that they use. Um, for me, because I'm so connected to my laptop all the time. Uh, consuming is very easy for me. I could sit on my Feedly for three hours, no problem. I could jump from blog post to blog post to blog post and uh, consume a wide range of information. And it's all very, very helpful. Um, but there has to be a balance where uh, you there's a time where you come to your keyboard and you're not connected to the the bigger graph, so to say, that you, what you're connected to is the thing that you're eventually going to put out to the bigger graph, right? So for me, uh, we started this pretty early, but normally my normal schedule would be wake up, have breakfast, have my coffee, and immediately start writing for like two to three hours. No, no stops whatsoever. Sometimes I'll take like a 15 minute break. I'll get up, I'll walk around, I'll like fix some things up. But ultimately there is every day, no matter what Monday through Sunday, I sit down at my computer and I write for two to three hours. Um, whether it's a, a post on my site or uh, a post on another site, or if I'm editing a prior post, uh, I always sit down and have that dedicated time. Um, after that, I always usually go to the gym. So after this inter- uh, after this little conversation, we're gonna go. I'm gonna go to the gym, uh, and then when I get back, I continue. I'll read a book that I'm reading right now for probably you know an hour, hour and a half, as long as I get like a, a substantial amount of pages complete, and then I'll either go back to writing. Or I'll edit something else. It, it's just constantly I'm going back and forth between. Well, that's just how my schedule is set up. I, I don't know if I'm a workaholic, but <laughs> I definitely I definitely don't know. Like I don't have a set time. Like, okay, it's 6 o'clock. I'm going to stop. If I'm feeling it at like 7 o'clock, if I feel that there's like some ideas running through my head that I need to get down on paper, I'll commit to that. No problem. You know, but if I'm not creating, if I'm not writing, if I'm not drawing, I am most certainly definitely uh, reading a book or listening to an interview or reading an interview on like the website, like, uh, I don't know, like the great discontent, um, or reading a book. Uh, so (laughs) the other day, uh, I tweeted out that I had just gone for a walk and left my phone at home and a bunch of people, including yourself, but you were on the positive side. They were just like, what? No. How did you do that? Like (laughs) you, how could you take, you couldn't take pictures of what you saw and you couldn't write down ideas. And I'm just like, yeah, that's the point. Like I was giving myself the, the boundary of, I am not allowed to write anything down or, and it's not, it's not that I wasn't allowed to think or experience, but I was allowed to experience without putting the pressure of, I must, you know, pull some life lesson from this walk and then translate it into something that I can like monetize or whatever. And, right. and I think what I hear you saying is um, that 
not only does education come in the form of absorbing material or interacting with it, but it also comes in the uh, the doing, the practice, the oh, yeah. the active. So it's mm-hmm. not just the, and and I think that that's even I would say that one of the maybe let's not go into the whole oh the education education system's bad and all that like you avoided in your book which was really great by the way thank you to do that you know just avoiding it i love that you that you rewrote the book by the way that was really <laughs> <laughs> i was like you 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 wrote the book and then like this isn't what i wanted and then put it away and then came back and rewrote it that's awesome yep. but um trying to stay on track with my thought here was that it, the passivity of education is what the downfall of it is really mm-hmm. it's it's being told absorb this instead of even if you're in a structured education system be actively engaged with it or actively engage and practice and do and absorb on your own mm-hmm. and so but yeah going back to that walk thing like so then you were like hey i got to get outside too and so yeah. that was pretty like, cool. Like when I go to the gym, I don't bring my phone in with me, you know, and I think uh, that may be shocking to people because when I look around, everyone's on their phone in between a workout, right? Oh, they do a set, they do a set, they look at their phone, they, you know, go to the water fountain, they look at their phone or they're listening to music. Um, I made it a habit so that I don't bring in my phone or listen to music when I go into the gym. So the way my thinking goes is that. Fitness for me is a huge like creative catalyst for me because when I show up in the morning and write for two hours, to me, I consider that unorganized chaos, right? Anything could happen. Any thought could come out and that thought could lead to five paragraphs of about something, right? Um, when I walk into the gym or when I do like, you know, hot yoga or if I play basketball, to me, that's organized chaos. That I know that when that there's an, a certain level of uh, input and there's going to be a certain level of output. That there's going to be certain energy spent and that there's going to be certain, uh, there's going to be a certain way that I feel at the end of that energy being spent, right? I need that. That's like a mental and physical anchor for me throughout the day. If I don't, if I were to do this right now and not go to the gym, that would greatly hinder my work throughout the entire entire day as crazy as that sounds but it's a habit that i developed because um like i can't go to the gym at 4 30 if someone's like hey you want to go work out it's five o'clock i'd be like absolutely not you know what i mean like no way that would mess up everything um i have a set time and a set way of doing of carrying out my day that helps me uh stay very fluid like mentally you know what i mean yeah totally so it's almost i i was thinking of this when you said that is um for me, my walk without like a phone was me almost in a in a meditative, letting my brain do almost a yes. meditation. Yes. And so the phys- and then the physical activity, you know, whether you're doing you know the hot yoga or whatever else you're doing, like without it's almost like our body craves a meditation of its own, but that is an active thing, a physically active practice. Well, I guess meditations mentally active too it's not passive i mean it's so, really hard to sit down and breathe you know what i mean it's right crazy. yeah it's, it's a, a mindfulness very task so it's a, it's a, so it's almost as if exercise is physical meditation yeah it's almost like physical meditation it's like a physical meditation that greatly affects your mental your right. mental state there's a there's a synergy between your body and your mind when you yes. allow both to do those things meditative states of physical activity slash mindful um 
you know, meditation. So yep. I, I love the, I, I actually pulled a quote. I'm going to read it from the book here. Okay. Um, where is it? Okay. The challenge isn't to find better tools to lead a more productive life. It's learning to be mindful of the tools that have already taken root. Mindfulness while using technology is important, and therefore the future belongs to those who can tame their distractions. I just – I read that and I thought that that's right up my alley. This is like what the book for me um, – it's not what the, the majority of the book is about, right. but it's one of those hooks that like, okay – that just that means that statement means a lot to me it's it's i think we're robbing ourselves of the ability and even the ability if we have the intention of self education because we're so unfocused and distracted mhm from our and, technology yeah and like think about it um like like i was thinking about this the other day uh how amazing it is to come across such like like life altering, like, uh, insight and knowledge and just like a, a way of storytelling, you know, there's such a wealth, like today, just today alone, imagine how many people are publishing posts that are incredibly valuable for, you know, psychological understanding, f- philosophical, uh, scientific, uh, marketing, writing, blogging, everything, health, like how much content is being produced. I think that the easy accessibility, like, does it, hinder like our um like value for it like just because i google something and click the first link does that make me less appreciative and like less attentive of the of the value that's in the post you know i sometimes wonder that um i think it's i think it's uh important to learn to discern um like the kind of information that you come across and to really challenge it that if it is inspiring Ask yourself, why is it inspiring? Find those elements. Write it down so that you can understand for yourself, right? Um, and, uh, yeah, I don't really know what's going with that. Yeah. Well, and, and, and then so as you're, as you're moving uh, forward, you're processing as you, you know, quote, absorb slash interact with whatever the material is, book, film, audio, podcast, whatever – but then you've got this thing where you're doing you're, you're putting everything in your commonplace book, and yes. so let's let's kind of close on this. I know we've actually talked a lot longer than I thought we would, and that's super awesome. This is <laughs> yeah. turning into one of my favorite episodes. Um, let's talk about the commonplace book, what that is, and I'm honestly I've been passively doing something like this. Yes, I think we all are. You, me, reading your book. I am taking up the challenge myself of creating my own version of this. Yes. Uh, wow. Okay. This Super is, excited. Yes. I love – all right. So like like you, uh, when I first started kind of diving into uh, the whole path of self-education, um, there were times where I was just like, okay, okay. I need to, I need to remember this. I need to remember this. I would, I would read like an amazing quote on like something involved with, you know, building your website and stuff like that. So I would write it on a post-it and then I would realize, you know, two weeks later that post-it's crumpled up and dusty and all that stuff. Um, and this whole entire time I had Evernote installed on my computer and on my phone, but I never knew how to like properly utilize it. How can I ingrain this app into my habits? Now after, uh, just fully understanding and I write about it in my book, um, I think the commonplace book is my most prized possession. I'm not even kidding you. It is like, it's like my Bible. I'm not, I'm not even, that's not even like a joke. Well, it's that, almost like a, a journal or a memoir of your educational journey. 
Yes, that's exactly what it is. Um, so anytime. So, okay. So here's how uh, I would organize it. Right. Um, so I use Evernote. So I create a notebook. I call it a commonplace book. And then in the notebook, you can create little notes. Um, I, for my purpose, I create categories. So I would have philosophy, religion, uh, marketing, uh, writing, it, how to deal with adversity, things like that. That, that, by the way, that one note right there in my commonplace book, how to deal with adversity, that has helped me so incredibly in my life. You have no idea. Like anytime that I am really going through something really, really tough and I am conscious enough to say, Hey, like there are, there are words, there are, there are perspectives that you can read right now that can profoundly change the way you see this current situation that it can go from bad to good easily. Um, and I just, boom, I open up my Evernote. I go in my commonplace book and I go under adversity and I just reread all these quotes that I have accumulated over the years from books, articles, and interviews, um, that I just have saved. I have the entire quote written out, um, then I have the name of the person who said it, and then I put the source of where I got it from, whether it's the, you know, a title of a book and, and their page number, or if it's an interview that I found online with a direct link to the quote itself. Um, I'll even put like little, uh, little extra like thing, like a uh, wording to help me like understand it so that when I come back to it, um, I can kind of uh, remember where I left off. So if I read like career advice online, I'll write like a short thing before I introduce the quote, like, okay, this person worked for this company and they weren't really feeling it. They were dealing with these emotions and they decided to make these changes. Then I'll introduce the quote on like what they said in that interview. Um, that's incredibly helpful because I think, cause like in school you're told to, okay, we have a test next week. Please study chapter five, six, and seven. Um, you study chapters five, six, and seven, you take the test and then boom, you almost kind of forget about it. It's not yeah. like it's not like deeply ingrained in like your thinking, like where if the subject were to arise and say, you know, at a dinner party or something or wherever, um, that that's not what you immediately think about. Like, boom, hey, I read this. This is what this person said. Uh, let me tell it to you. Maybe it'll help you. Right. Um, I do that all the time. Whenever my friend's working on like, say, like a research paper or something and they're like, I need something, you know, they're like, I, I need to, I need a story or I need an example of how I can wrap this example around the thing. Boom. I'll open up my Evernote. I'll look for under the category of, you know, like uh, history or like ancient philosophy or something of that nature. And I'll pull out a quote or an example that I found in a book that makes the process so much easier. It's, I can't even tell you, I use the commonplace book every single day. There are times where, um, like, I'll just be like, Hmm, like I'll look at, I have like a little reading, uh, like thing where I make sure that I don't read the same topic, uh, book as I did like my last one. Like for example, right now, uh, I'm going to start that book, uh, Stumbling on Happiness with Daniel Gilbert. I'll make sure that, that my next book, um, it may have something to do with happiness, but not directly, right? So I always want to constantly be reading things that challenge my perspective and that introduce me to new thoughts and ideas. Um, well, everything that I have ever like really consumed that I found very incredibly important and valuable and helpful and immediately practical, uh, I record in my commonplace book. So what it becomes is kind of like a manifestation of your self-education, right? Mm -hmm. And everyone's commonplace book is different. What you find valuable online or what or a certain quote, you and I could read the same quote and you could find one quote 
uh, one passage much more valuable than I do. Whereas, you know, I find something in chapter eight that's very valuable and you'll find something in chapter two that's very valuable. But the way you present it and the way you introduce it to whoever you're sharing it with kind of just goes to show like, hey, this is how I'm connecting the dots. Like, this is why I feel this passage is so important and how it relates to, say, another thought from another book. You know what I mean? From Mm -hmm. another author. Um, And I'm constantly expanding this commonplace book. Every day I'm adding maybe close to like 20 to like, I don't know, maybe like 50 like passages and quotes of just a wide range of uh, different topics and subjects because it helps me kind of compile uh, uh, knowledge and facts to help me develop a greater understanding on that subject alone. Oh, I love it. And I love the fact that you're doing it in Evernote because – one, I I believe in Evernote, but it's never been something that I fully felt like I could f- just take full advantage of. Mm-hmm. But the fact that it's so searchable, oh my god! Like to be able for you to just a, a, you know to be able to organize all your thoughts into those different notebooks and and topics and categories and everything, and then also to be able to just be like, oh, my friend needs this, and you just type in a couple of words or even just one word, and every reference you've got will come up. And what's funny is then you might even make connections or connect dots there that you weren't even intending to because suddenly, you know, oh, these thoughts are all in different notebooks. But I type in this one word and boom, they're all there. And it's like, I didn't even see those that connected. Now I do. Yep, because like Evernote has this thing where it's just like uh, like you'll search something and then I think – I don't know if the premium version only has it. I'm signed up to that. But um, like you'll search something and then it will bring up your notes and then underneath it, they'll have three related notes. And you'll be like, hmm, like I didn't really think that this was related. And then you'll go into that and then you'll look at some quotes and be like, wait a minute. All of this somehow connects with each other. Yeah, and I think that's a good place to end on. (laughs) <laughs> it's all connected and, the, <laughs> yes. and that it's up to us to do that. Like yes. that's just, that's just how it works. That's how self-education works. Oh, awesome. Paul, this has been an awesome conversation and let's do it again sometime. Yes. I'm open for that. Let's, uh, let's send people to your blog and, you know, tell people where they connect, connect with you. If they're, you know, finding value in this episode, where can they find you and connect with you? Uh, I share all my writing and insights on motivatedmastery.com. It's where I practice connecting the dots. Um, anytime I read you know, a book or a bunch of articles on a subject, uh, I compile it together and kind of just outline like how I'm thinking about it so that I can become aware of my own comprehension or lack thereof. Um, yeah, and I'm also on Twitter, uh, Paul Jun. Um, you can just look me up and I'm right there. I'm happy to connect with anyone. Awesome, Paul. And people should also go to Amazon and just type in connect the dots and grab your book, which is a, an amazing deal. It's what, 70 plus pages and it's like two ninety nine at least currently. Yeah, 70 pages, two ninety nine, Um, And I have the print book coming out nice. uh, in about like two weeks. So I'll have a link to all that in the show notes for this episode. And Paul, thank you so much. It's been awesome to talk with you today. Honestly, Eric, uh, it's one of my goals every day to have conversations of this nature, whether it's with my best friends or whoever. Um, and I'm really, ha- I'm really happy to have had this conversation with you. Awesome. Well, that wraps up another episode of Beyond the To-Do List. I hope you enjoyed this conversation that I had with Paul. And you should definitely go check out his blog, 
at motivatedmastery.com. And you should definitely check out Connect the Dots. Again, at the time of this recording, it's only $2.99 in the Amazon Kindle store. And his other book, An Empire of Words, is only $0.99. So you can't go wrong there on the price, and you definitely can't go wrong for the fact that the content is quality. Thank you again to Boomerang for Gmail for sponsoring this episode of Beyond the To-Do List. Again, don't wait to take advantage of what Boomerang for Gmail can do for your email and give it a productivity boost. Go to boomerangmail.com slash to-do to get 60 days of free Boomerang professional. Again, that's boomerangmail.com slash to-do for 60 free days of Boomerang professional. Hey, I've been hearing from a lot of you awesome listeners out there on social media, whether it's Facebook, Twitter, etc. Thank you for letting me know how much you're enjoying these podcasts. I love it when you guys tell me, and I love it when you guys share it out on social networks, letting others know. It just amazes me how every single week I have somebody who says, I just found your podcast. It's awesome. Even now, people are starting from the beginning or even this far in and then working their way back. So if you are a fan of this podcast, please feel free to let me know how much you like it, whether that's over on iTunes in the reviews, or if that's just an email, or if that's a shout out on a social network, or even just sharing it with your circle of friends on Twitter, Facebook, etc. Thank you so much for those of you who have done that. I really appreciate it. Thanks, and I'll see you next episode. Beyond the To-Do List is a proud member of the Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. Learn how to podcast, theorize over the TV shows Once Upon a Time, Once Upon a Time in Wonderland, and Under the Dome. Laugh with our clean comedy, delve into science fiction and philosophy, learn critical thinking from movie reviews, and more at noodle.mx. Hey, thanks for listening to the end. If you're looking for a show to start helping you apply these productivity lessons on your business, check out Millionaire University. It's real lessons from real entrepreneurs teaching you what you need to know to improve your business or start one if you've been putting it off. It covers all aspects of business from starting marketing, growing, managing, and everything in between, wearing all the hats. And as an added bonus, I am conducting a number of those conversations, those interviews, so you'll fit right in. Again, that's Millionaire University. Just search for it in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to this podcast.